Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Simple Theology Podcast, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. And I'm Rick Roblick. And today we are talking about assurance, assurance of salvation, and how that connects to the doctrines of grace, Calvinism, soteriology. And we have a listener, Brandon, who sent in couple questions, and we're going to dive into those today. Yeah, Brandon, we really appreciate you submitting those um, good stuff, difficult stuff. We'll get into what Scripture has to say about these things and how as believers we are to respond to those things. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode today. What's up, Big Daddy? I like it when you call me Big Pop. Big Pop. 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 Not much, man. We are we're uh, recording an episode, which is a delight. That is what we're doing. We are delighted that our listeners are tuning in, and it is enjoyable moment. to do this. It I is. I was really looking forward to recording. Me too. We took August off. Yes. Even which, though this will be the second episode in September, this yes. is really the uh, first time we're recording in a minute, yeah, or two, or two. Yes, it's been good. It's been good to have like a little break. It's been good to kind of hang out and not worry about, um, you know, recording and doing apps. So, yeah, man. What's new with you, man? How's the how's the wife? She's very pregnant. But by the time this comes out, she should have already delivered the baby, Lord willing. So she is due August 31st. We right. thought that she was going to have to get an, an early C-section. Mm. And the doctors said, nope, everything looks fine. Um, you can pretty much just wait until your due date. And so that's, right now we're just waiting until then. We're recording this at the beginning of August. So, mm-hmm. um, Lord willing, by the time this drops, everything will have gone smoothly and we will have another baby girl here. Which is super exciting. It is exciting. And it you is. wanted to announce her name. Yeah, it's uh, I, no, I was gonna, I was gonna say a name. Everyone will know it by now. It'll be out. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> I almost said a false name that was gonna be like funny, but then there's gonna be a listener with that name. Yeah, um, don't, don't do that. Lennon, Lennon Len- Grace. Give us the inspiration behind the name. Uh, John Lennon. Oh yeah. No, we actually just really like the name. Okay. So, so we've kind of we have like a little naming philosophy, which is kind of goofy and who knows if this will be the naming philosophy for the third one lord willing there's Uh a third um but we were like all right let's let's have the first name kind of be unique ish not like so unique to where it's weird um but unique ish and let's have the middle name have like more um Mm. i don't want to say value but more like um uh gravitas no (laughs) no more sentimental value so to speak Mm -hmm. so for instance Mm -hmm. finley Mm -hmm. her middle name is um kate because danielle's middle name is kathleen and lennon her middle name would be grace for obvious christian reasons i know we've experienced grace through jesus christ oh okay okay. that's the connection so when it's for lennon lennon grace yep l-e-n-i-n L- no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
Right? I mean, L-E-N-N-O-N. Okay. <laughs> Let's not get that confused. I thought that was the inspiration. I'm no, sorry. no, 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 no. Quite, quite, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're excited. We are excited to meet uh, Lennon and uh, just uh, for you get your family to grow and yeah. for all that stuff. It's a very exciting time. Yep, thank you. And, uh, What's new with you? you answered mm, my question. What, what about you, man? What's new with me? Yeah. Um, man, not... Unless I'm forgetting something, not much, um, which is okay. Uh, the boys are growing, and I feel like we're doing well. Um, dude, again, this is mid-August, early August, but like our son is two months, and he's Crazy. already sleeping when this almost drops. all the way through the night. When this episode drops, he'll be three. I know. He'll be a quarter of a year old. Mm. They, grow, they grow so fast. They grow so fast. <laughs> no, but we're doing really well. and uh, just He's already sleeping stuff. through the whole night? Dude, uh... I know this might sound like I'm bragging, but I'm not because it has nothing to do with us as parents. Like, legitimately nothing to do with us. Um, but, like, three nights ago, he slept nine and a half hours. What? And he, he usually sleeps seven to eight hours. I have what no idea. What the heck, man? No idea. I was talking to people, and they're like, yeah, our kids didn't sleep through the night for, like, two years. And yeah. I'm like, oh, how? Like, and there's like, yeah. You're just always exhausted. Oh, my word. So I mean, I'm sure you do. You deal, right? People deal. You, you figure it out. But my we, brother-in-law always says, he says, unless people have had a hard sleeper, like, they're not true parents. And I'm like, well, uh, you can accuse me for not being a parent, but I will take my sleep. Thank you very yeah, much. seriously. Well, I mean, Will didn't sleep through the night that quickly. It was like two and a half months. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, my word, man. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I really Finley, don't. Finley's always been a pretty good sleeper, so we've been fortunate there. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm really hoping that... That Lennon is due, and yeah. by the time this drops, we'll have somewhat of an idea. That's right. Um, but time will tell. Yeah, but man, that is that's awesome. That's yeah. fortunate. I know. So we're yeah. Other than that, life is happening. COVID is still out and about, um, making its no, presence. No, by the time this drops, known. the vaccine's been released. Um, life is back to normal. According to some people, COVID will be gone as of was it November eighth or something like that. <laughs> Who said that? Well, it's the day after, like the day after the election. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, uh, yeah. I have a feeling the coverage is going to drop on it a lot. I do think things will change for sure. I don't know how, but anyway, um, yeah. So we're doing well, man. Thanks for asking. Yeah. We are glad to be back here recording another episode. We have a listener request. Yep. Um, a guy wrote in Facebook. Have we had a lot of Facebook? Not. I mean, we've had some Facebook messages, yeah. but I mean, it's usually not the primary way. But we'll we'll take it. We say this a lot, but we genuinely probably one of the favorite things things we love to do the most are listening from or, or having listeners send in requests and talking about it. Yeah. Now I do have to apologize because there are times where it takes us a while to get to those. Yes. But it's not because we don't want to. It's just the programming of everything. Like we, that's the, the way it falls. So we are excited to get a, a Facebook message from Brandon. Yep. And um, he has a questions about assurance of salvation and how that ties into doctrines of grace. Yes. Yeah. So Brandon Williams, I'm not going to read his whole message here, It's a, but he has a couple good questions. And the first one is essentially, how does the assurance found in the doctrines of grace connect with the assurance found in Christ's sacrifice? That's question number one. How does the assurance found in the doctrines of grace connect with the assurance found in Christ's sacrifice? And number two is how do we balance what we believe Scripture to say regarding things of assurance with resting entirely on Jesus' work. 
So in scripture, there's some warning passages, things like that. How do we balance those with resting entirely in Jesus' work? Yeah. Two so, good questions. So these, these are, are common questions, especially with assurance of salvation. And what, what we mean by that is it's the doctrine that you cannot lose your salvation. You can't fall away from Jesus. If you are a true uh, disciple, you've been born again, regenerated, follower of Christ, then nothing can change that. So it's, that's what we, we mean by assurance of salvation. Yeah, so um, I, I have a, a definition here. Great. So, according to the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, assurance is the certainty or confidence about one's beliefs or actions. The assurance of hope, as seen in Hebrews 6.11, and the assurance of faith, Hebrews 10.22 and 11.1, are mentioned as qualities of wholeness that lead believers to responsible living. There you go. It, um, so, with the question, how does the endurance assurance found in the doctrines of grace connect with the assurance found in Christ's sacrifice? Rob, like, how do we even begin to tackle that? as a question there's there's some pieces that we kind of build out before we can really address that right yeah yeah so he mentions doctrines of grace right so what yeah. are the doctrines of grace so we consider ourselves a reformed podcast there are some who would say that we're would not you reformed say we're, enough we're, we're many lowercase r yeah yeah i think i'm slowly getting into the uppercase r you and i were having a conversation earlier about 1689 federalism mm-hmm. um and i'm starting to become persuaded of that opinion mm-hmm. um by the time this drops, I may have already decided. No, I'm not. Or maybe I'm be fully have dove into the to the waters there. Yeah. But regardless, um, we do affirm the doctrines of grace. Yes. And so to even so, we say lowercase r, uppercase r for reformed. Um, lowercase r is affirming the doctrines of grace. Mm-hmm. Calvinist soteriology. Soteriology is the doctrine of salvation. So you have a Calvinist understanding of how God saves His people. Um, and that is the doctrines of grace. Uppercase R reformed would be that like you, you are, are Catholic. <laughs> yeah, right? no, exactly. No, <laughs> oh, no, no. Okay. Um, would be saying that you affirm to covenant theology and a historic reformed confession of faith, like mm-hmm. the Westminster Confession of Faith or the Savoy or the 1689. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I may, I may have. Sp- I'll, Spoken out of turn about the Savoy. I don't know enough about the Savoy to say whether or not it is yeah. reformer. I know it was released right around that time by Congregationalists. So, mm-hmm. um, but the two most common are going to be either the Westminster or the 1689. So, hopefully, which hope. if you have questions about those, we have just episodes. finished a series last spring about um, the confessions, and we've covered point by point. But we didn't all those. include the Savoy, which now right. I may have put my foot in my mouth. Hopefully I didn't, oh. but we'll see. Regardless, as a reformed guy, that's the worst that thing you is, could do. Yeah, seriously, you might as well shut this whole <sighs> thing down. Same five Hail Marys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To John Calvin. Um, <laughs> so the doctrines of grace and his mother. Yeah, you have to at least embrace the doctrines of grace to even call yourself reformed. And mm-hmm. there are five points, and this is commonly known as TULIP. That's the acronym T U L I P. Now there are some people who would say, "I am a four-point Calvinist." Um, and typically the one that they have the most beef with is limited atonement. Um, but or, or definite atonement. Yeah, exactly. Or particular redemption, that kind of thing. Or, just <laughs> yeah, throw another one out. <laughs> um, and so these five things we're getting ready to say is the doctrines mm-hmm. of grace. These five things explain Calvinist understanding of salvation. There's a whole history as to how um, Calvin released these, and right. it wasn't even something that he just decided to release as a response to... There's a whole history behind that we're not time to get into. 
So here's what they are. Uh, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. So T-U-L-I-P spells the acronym TULIP. Again, total depravity. The U is for unconditional election. The L is limited atonement. The mm -hmm. I is irresistible grace. And the P is for perseverance of the saints. And so the biggest difference between um, someone who would affirm the doctrines of grace and someone who wouldn't mm -hmm. is how they view the the free will of man mm -hmm. when it comes to salvation. So uh, there's the Calvinist camp and there's the Arminian camp. Arminians would say that uh, man has complete free will to choose. And a true Arminian would say that man also has complete free will to walk away. Um, and so therefore, Arminians would say that you can lose your salvation. This would be more Nazarene or Westland. Um, but that is Arminianism in its truest form. Calvinists would say that now Ephesians 2 says that you are dead in your trespasses and mm -hmm. sin, not, not wounded, um, not hurt, not hindered, right. but, but dead. F strong verbiage mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, you first, before you can make the conscious decision to choose God freely, you first must be made alive. And we, we'll get into it later, but all those whom he makes alive, he um, ends up saving. Mm-hmm. So not to say that that's like um, happens years down the road, but it's once you're made alive in Christ, once you have a regenerated heart, you are of the people of God. So hopefully that answers that aspect of the doctrines of grace. Rick, before I go any further, yes, do you have anything that you want to throw in there? No, I think there there's it's important. Um, people want to hone in on the the whole conversation of free will and predestination or election those are kind of two mm -hmm. figureheads of the debate and they want to just kind of begin to to paint unrealistic pictures of each argument um and so we want to we're not trying to do that in any means and we're just simply saying we think this is what scripture teaches we think it teaches that man is actually dead yeah. right they're they're lost they're, they're depraved we think that um god because of his sovereign will and we don't even know why this is a mystery, but he he has chosen some, and those are the people he he his son his uh, blood atoned for, and because of that, he has brought us to life, and we can't resist that. Um, he's awakened us, and, and now we love him for that. And because we're in this relationship, we're atoned for, where you've been chosen by him, and we uh, are adopted into his family. Nothing can change that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what we'd say. I mean, and there's a lot there, but yeah, ultimately, that's I think it's a great summary of the argument. Yeah, I mean, Ar Arminians would point to, and guys, we did an episode on this. Um, so we're, again, we're not gonna spend the whole time on this. But if you go to sympathyology.org and then just type in the upper right hand corner, Calvinism or mm -hmm. predestination, something like that, or election, I think that's what it is. Um, twenty twenty, you'll find it. <clears throat> it's not twenty twenty. <laughs> election twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, you can see a more robust argument there, but. Um, Arminians would point to Second Peter three nine. Um, God wants all people to be saved, mm -hmm. um, and First Timothy two four. Similar passages. Um, we, we address those. Um, the Arminian side. It's not that they're not being biblical, so to speak. They're, it's not like yeah. they're forsaking Scripture. They're looking at Scripture and they're saying we're we're convinced that this is what it says. Yeah, 
and Calvinists are saying, we, we see what you're saying, um, but we think there's the broader view of Scripture to mm-hmm. be able to see not just those passages, but how all the passages fit together. Mm-hmm. It would seem to say that there's a there's a both hand. Yes, people have to freely choose, but no, they'll never freely choose unless they're first made alive. So <clears throat> that argument in a nutshell, um, which I'm sure we didn't do justice to. So if you're Arminian out there saying that we didn't do that fairly, then please forgive us. So how do... Show us unconditional grace. What? To the Arminian, show us unconditional grace. Oh, yes, exactly. Sorry, how do... Um, How do we show the doctrines of grace, how do they connect with assurance? That is the question that Brandon's pulling out here. Were you about to say something? No, keep going. Okay. So, essentially, um, I will... I'll try and connect them here. And, Rick, think about Mm. any clarifications that need to be added in. Yes, I'm I'm taking... Studious notes. Notes here. Push your glasses up on your nose. Sharpen that pencil. <sighs> Here's how they connect. Okay. Okay. So assurance is only for those who are alive in Christ. Only. Mm-hmm. If you're still dead in your sin, you do not have assurance of salvation. Now, those who are alive in Christ were previously dead. We see that in Ephesians 2. Therefore, you were brought from death to life because God gave you a new heart. So we read in, I believe, Jeremiah, where he talks about how the heart of stone will be replaced with the heart of flesh. Mm-hmm. And so the only way that we are going to be made alive is if God breathes life into us spiritually. And so therefore, we are completely dependent on him. And so if you are alive in Christ, if you do have a relationship with the Lord today, then it's because God gave you a new heart. You are totally depraved. And by total, we mean... Every aspect of your being was depraved. You weren't, um, you weren't depraved so as depraved as you possibly could be. So there's a I'm, I'm blanking on the term, Rick. If you remember it, let me know. But it is total depravity in that your total faculties, all of you. Mm-hmm. It's not that 95% of you was depraved and there was 5% that wasn't. So you have to depend on that 5% to come to out. It's all of you is depraved, but mm-hmm. you weren't utterly depraved in that you had you you are as sinful as you possibly could be so we're not all hitlers walking around and even hitler wasn't as evil and sinful as he could have been right um but we all equally are entirely dependent on something outside Mm -hmm. of us to make us alive because we are totally depraved so Mm -hmm. um we are alive in christ because god gives a new heart which we needed because we're depraved and you were made alive not by merit of your own doing, but because of God's gracious choice. So the unconditional election aspect. So you didn't do anything to receive God's gracious choice, mm-hmm. God's gracious election. It was unconditional. He chose you out of no, nothing that you had done, right. but purely out of his grace towards you. And you were restored to God because Christ atoned for your sin. So there's the limited atonement passage. Um, it was Christ who paid the atoning sacrifice that was required by God because of all of us who have broken his law. Mm-hmm. And so because we've broken the law, therefore there needs to be um, sacrifice, there needs to be a penalty paid. Jesus paid that on behalf of his people. And so, mm-hmm. so therefore the person who is not in Christ does not have that assurance. Right. Um, but only those who are in Christ. He died for his people. That's the limited aspect of the atonement. Mm-hmm. The atonement mm-hmm. extends to 
God's people, mm-hmm. not all people. Otherwise, all would be saved. And then right. you received his grace because he, God, presented it to you. And so you were given eyes to see, ears to hear. Scripture talks about um, that people would have eyes to see and ears to hear because ultimately we will not embrace the grace that embraced the grace that God has. Mm, um, you get a tattoo of that. Yeah, there we go. Where are you going to put it? Uh, probably my um, uh, my chest. No, put it like right on your thigh. <laughs> So I almost said like, inner thigh, but I didn't, didn't want to. No, I want to keep this PG. I'm not saying inner thigh anything. I'm just saying right <laughs> on top. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Placement is everything. <laughs> um, but uh, we are when we embrace um, the grace that God has, <laughs> has shown us in Christ Jesus. It's because He has given us eyes to see it. Um, and someone once said that um, anyone whom God tries to woo. He's not going to fail in that. He's not going to be like, man, I'm trying so hard to get this yeah. person to come to faith, but I just, mm. gosh darn it, I just can't do it. Anyone who, whom God draws to himself, he's going to, he's going to woo you over. Which I'm going to interject for a second. By all means, please. And, and to those who hold the free will argument, mm-hmm. let's just run with that scenario. Sena- let's run with that scenario. scenario for, a minute. for a moment, if you hold to the free will argument, and on one side, you have the things of the world, things of the world, your flesh. And on the other side, you have the creator of the universe. And they're both, at the same time, laying out kind of their options. They're like, hey, this is what I can give you. This is what I'm offering you. You now have a choice. Right? All the things the world offers, all the things God offers creator of the universe, your creator who loves you, knows how you're made, how you can be completely uh, fulfilled and satisfied. So both those camps kind of on each side lay out their, their, their spread, so to speak. And then a person looks to the creator and says, no thanks, and goes to the counterfeit, all the counterfeit things of the world. Can you logically and with, with like, how, how would that person say, I have free will? How can the person look at life and look at death and say, I'm going to choose death. I have the free will to choose death. That person doesn't mm. have any free will. Yeah, it's They a good have point. no free will. It's a good point. They're being completely dominated. I mean, that's like someone, you know, saying, hey, come over here and have an amazing feast or come over here and get shot in the head. And the person's <laughs> like, I think... I think I'm going to get shot in the head. Yeah. Well, obviously, there's something wrong with that. That person does not have the autonomy they think they have. They don't have the wisdom they think yeah. they have. They have no free will. It's like saying, hey, here's a private jet. You have to get over to California. We're in Ohio. You have to get to California. Here's a private jet with all the lavish things that come with that. Or here's a bicycle, but one of the tires is missing, and the one tire that is on there is flat. Right. Like the the differences are that stark. They're even yeah. more stark than that. And, and and no sane person, no person in their right mind who's thinking logically or or who has the ability to be, uh, t- to make a, a free will decision, would choose the the lesser, would choose the bicycle, or choose the gunshot to the head. Yeah. So how can you say people have free will? Yeah. They don't have free will. Yeah, they're dominated by sin. Now I know we're getting off topic from from Brandon's question about certain stuff. <laughs> Brandon's like, like face bomb right now. Like, like, come on. I believe, <laughs> but that does tie into the assurance issue, because yeah. the assurance issue, the root of that is if I can 
if I can decide myself in, I must be able to decide myself out. Yeah. And I'm saying you actually don't have the ability. Thank God. Yeah. Because even if you think you have the ability or you think your neighbor has the ability or free will, they actually don't. Just just look around. I mean, people don't have the free will. They think they do. So your assurance is in the fact that God has elected you and then there's fruit from that. So I don't, I didn't mean to yeah, interject. No, that's, but, that was a great point. Very good point. R.C. Sproul said that, yeah, we have, for those who are dead in Christ, we have free will, but we only choose that which will kill us. Well, like we have the fr- we have right. the free option to choose any kind of poison. And this is where the whole free will thing gets a little confusing because if you have so much free will, if everyone has so much free will, you know why why are people addicted to to alcohol or to porn or to uh, to gambling? Like clearly, people don't have the free will they they claim they have or or society tells them that they have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, now there's a there's a doctrine that because we're not saying that people have zero free will. Right. We're, we're saying that in order for someone to make a free decision to choose God, God first needs to make them alive. And Jonathan Edwards would say this when he talks about um, religious affections and how mm-hmm. when we are made alive, our affections change and um, we're free to choose that which we most desire. Mm-hmm. It's just that which we most desire is not God until he right. reveals himself to us to show us who he truly is and give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Mm-hmm. So how does the assurance of grace connect, or the assurance, how does assurance connect with the doctrines of grace? And so we, mm-hmm. we've talked about all the way up to irresistible grace. Now the last point, um, ultimately you will persevere in your faith because Christ said the work is finished. Mm-hmm. On the cross he says it is finished. He is the one who completed it. And salvation, according to Revelation 7.10, salvation belongs to to the Lord, not to me. I don't get to take my hand off or close my hand on it and say, this is this is me securing my salvation. It, it never has been. And so none of the, the things that we mentioned there, so when it comes to total depravity, how Christ made us alive, when it comes to unconditional election, how Christ chose us, when it comes to limited atonement, how Christ um, atoned for our sin, when it comes to irresistible grace, how God showed us his grace, because of perseverance of the saints, how God holds on to his mm-hmm. people. None of those things are based on us. Right. They're all based on the Lord and what he is doing. So the mm-hmm. doctrines of grace, they can give you assurance primarily because it's through the doctrines of grace that we realize what scripture says mm-hmm. about, hey, God has shown you grace. Look at these areas. You were mm-hmm. dead. You did nothing to earn it. Your sin needed to be paid for, and Jesus paid for it. You needed grace, and God showed it to you and drew himself to, and drew yourself to him despite mm-hmm. your sin-desiring sin, your flesh-desiring right. sin, despite what you and your flesh would, would end up choosing on your own. Irresistible grace. He drew you in, and then perseverance says, he's the one who's going to keep you. He got you here. Mm-hmm. It's not that he got you here and says, now you go on your own. Because if that were the case, then you would, within... I mean, as, as quickly as you can think, you would fall back into sin again. Right, right. Exactly. He's the one who's going to keep you. Yeah. And so the question isn't whether or not a Christian can lose their salvation. Mm-hmm. The question is, can Jesus, can God lose a Christian? Mm. Yeah, that's a great that's a great way of really flipping it. And that's, that's kind of what we would say that the doctrines of grace do. They uh, really, they're much more God-centric. And then the the outflow is 
the condition of man what the Lord does with that. Yeah. Whereas I think the free will argument really puts man at the center of most of the things, and then God is kind of behind that. He's in the background. Yeah. Uh, we'd say, actually, it's it's the reverse. Um, exactly. So, th- so something that I would ask someone who would not embrace the doctrines of grace, and again, we embrace doctrines of grace not because they are Scripture, but because they clearly articulate Mm-hmm. what scripture says and scripture is our final authority so if you did if you did not embrace this sovereign god <clears throat> this god who has drawn us and shown us these shown us immense grace mm-hmm. if you did not embrace um the doctrines of grace how would you answer the question that brandon has posed mm. where do you get your assurance yeah that's a good question. Well, and for some, they don't they don't believe in assurance of salvation. Yeah. Now, some people who who are not Calvinists still believe in the assurance of salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot who who do not and say, well, you you can lose your salvation, and that's a, a whole other. Uh, um, they have a couple of scriptures they point to, but but that is just becomes much more difficult because again, the onus is on you to either get yourself in. And keep yourself in, and or, or it's on you if you if you fall out and you you backslide and you're you know outside of God's family now. And we would just say, I just don't see that in Scripture. Not even the fact that it it doesn't fit into our like tight knit theology. I'm just, I just don't see it in Scripture. God's people, He punished the Israelites, but they're always God's people, right? Yeah, in yeah. the Old Covenant, when we get to heaven, you know, it's not like, hey. You're all here as long as you behave, and if not, you're going to hell. Like mm-hmm. you're there, not because of you know, you're, you're there. Yeah. And no one's like bucking, saying, "Man, I'm forced here. I, I only want to be here for a little bit, and then I want to decide to leave." No, like no one has free will in heaven. Yeah. But yet they have complete free will in that sense. Right? <clears throat> what was it, Genesis 15 or Genesis 17, where God makes a, a covenant with Abraham and he um, splits the animals, and usually mm-hmm. in that kind of arrangement, mm-hmm. both parties would walk down the middle. Right, saying that with the torn animals on each mm-hmm. side, um, walking down the middle, saying, "If I break this covenant, if I break this promise, then do to me as as have been done to these animals." But in in that passage, I can't remember if it's Genesis fifteen or seventeen. Um, God puts puts Abraham in a deep sleep, mm-hmm. and it's only God who walks yeah. through. He says, yeah. "I'm going to walk through because I know I'm going to be faithful," but. Abraham, I'm not going to have you walk through because I know you're not going to be faithful. You're going to fall, and I'm not going to destroy you because you have not walked through here. And so th- that obviously points to the the new covenant in that for those who are in Christ, we will not be destroyed as we deserve. Yeah. So yeah, to your point. Yeah. Now we have some we have some passages of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier you mentioned philippians 1 6 i believe yeah it just says he who began a good work will bring it to completion and we we believe that if the lord has begun a, a good work in uh someone he's begun to to change them and to regenerate them and redeem them and adopt them into his family like he will finish that work yeah. the difficulty for us is we don't know god's timeline on that we don't and we'll actually in some ways we'll never know so we need to be very careful to say well they obviously were not a believer because they professed these things, and now they're not. Yeah, That could have happened. They could have professed. They could have tasted and seen without being regenerated, without being born again. But we know that the, when the Lord begins a good work, when he begins to change, 
he will bring that to completion. So that's one. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight through 30 says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So no one is falling through the cracks. It's not like, hey, Hmm. I kind of had tabs on this person early on, but I just kind of got distracted with other things and didn't see it through. Like, sorry about that. Or I didn't complete the good work that I started. Yeah, like, man, we started off strong, but I'm sorry. Like, you just didn't. I foreknew them. I predestined them. I called them. But they they didn't make his justification. Right. God, he does the whole thing. He, He brings us to life. He redeems us. He makes us right with the Lord. And, and, and ultimately, we're glorified. We, the whole spectrum, God does that. Now, we respond to that, but he's the one who, who does that. Uh, John 10, 27 through 30 says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I don't know how you argue against John 10, 27. <laughs> know, like, Jesus like, listen, God has given me sheep. These are my sheep. And the Father and I are one. And no one's snatching them out of my hands. And no one's snatching them out of uh, the Father's hands. Yeah. Right. And, and again, at the end of, of Romans 8, where it says, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can pull us away from these things. We see in Ephesians 1, the adoption, that we are adopted into Christ's family. Yeah. So, well, I, I want to point out, John, that 10, 27 through 30 passage. Yeah. Like Jesus says, no one will snatch them out of the hand, out of my hand. Two things. One, he's talking about his hand. Mm-hmm. No one will snatch them out of his hand. And he says, Will. So it's not going to happen in the future. No one will. No one will do it. And then he says, no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's Mm -hmm. hand. And so he's now talking about the Father's hand. Right. And he says, not only will no no one will, but also no one is able. Like, it's not just that they... It's not even a question. Yeah, it's not just they thought, oh, I could do it, but like, it's just not smart. Like, it's not wise. Like, Satan's not like, "Eh, maybe it's going to work better for me if I don't... No one will... Because no one is able. Yeah. And Jesus says, no one will snatch him out of my hand, and no one is able to snatch him out of the Father's hand. And then he just ends to clarify things. I and the Father are one. Yeah, No one will, it's and not, no one is able to snatch them out of happen. our hands. Right. I, I think the hard part for people who struggle with assurance of salvation, and I've, I've been there before, um, is you know all the scriptures, but then you're looking at your own life, and you're thinking, okay, uh you're looking at your own relationship with sin. You're looking at your struggle with sin or your struggle, your relationship with the scriptures and your love for them or your lack of love for them or your love for prayer or your lack of love for mm-hmm. prayer or the, your love for the body of Christ, the church, or your lack of love. And um, what really makes you question them not is for most people, for some people, it's the scripture. Like, I, I don't see it, which I would say, <laughs> go look at scripture. Um, but for most people, it's their own heart. Man, where's my heart at? Yeah. And I would say two things to that. One, and this is going to be, this kind of sound like I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth. And the first thing I'll say is you, you need to be in tune with your life. Like, are you pursuing Christ? Right? Mm. Does your heart, 
Do you have a heart for the things of God? Do you have a desire to die to sin? Do you have a desire to to mature in your faith? And I don't mean like just ceremonially or or just in your actions, like I want to be a better person, I want to go to church more, I want to read my Bible more and pray more. Hopefully those things are there, but I mean like you have a desire to be in relationship with Jesus yeah. and to be his follower. Um, so, so kind of, if that's not there, if there's no desire, there's no hunger for, or there, you know, I'm not saying, you know, there's, what's the, the verse about the smoldering wick, right? There, even, even like a small flame, a, a, a tiny bit, the Lord uses. But if you have no desire for the things of the Lord, you, you, maybe you like the idea of religion or you like the, the people at your church. But if you have no desire for the things of the Lord, then that's a, that should, that should a make flag. you cause, yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. Because someone asked me, like, if they laid out their life, and I'm like, yeah, brother, I'm not seeing any real desire to walk with Jesus. I'm not saying you're not a believer. Yeah. I'm, I wouldn't say that at all. But I don't, I'm not saying there's a whole lot of things to put your confidence in that you are. Yeah. So that's the one thing I'm saying. That's one side is, be in tune. Where's your heart? The other side is, um, don't trust your heart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you're like, I know I have a desire for the things of the Lord. It, it wanes at times, and I struggle with this, you know. But I do have that desire. Then cling to the scriptures, cling to the truth, and then you you'll see the fruit. Yeah. So do not let your emotions drive your doctrine. Um, trust the scriptures. That's a good on word. This. So you know. It's hard though, but we have to trust trust our scripture, trust the scriptures. Yeah, there, there's a there's a good book because what we're talking about here. Um, some people may say like, okay, so basically you can do whatever you want, and um, as long as there's the desire, then it's fine. So the law doesn't mean anything. You can embrace sin. Like, no, 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 that's not a, that's not at all what we're saying. In fact, right. there's a good book um, by Sinclair Ferguson uh, called The Whole Christ. Mm-hmm. It's The Whole Christ: Legalism, Antinomianism. Antinomianism is a fancy word for saying anti-law which means you're against God's law. So legalism, antinomianism, and gospel assurance. Mm-hmm. Why the marrow controversy still matters. And so yeah. the marrow controversy was this this controversy where people said, do you have to turn from sin first before you come to God? Or do you come to God and then turn from sin? And Sinclair Ferguson um, adds to this conversation, essentially saying that we come to God first, and then he gives us the heart to change, to, mm-hmm. to give us a desire to turn away. Now, yeah. You can get that, guys, at uh, on on Audible, and you can get that free. Beautiful, beautiful. free, no cost to you. If you go to audibletrial.com/simpletheology, get a free audiobook. We get a very small kickback, but it helps cover the expenses for this podcast. And this this book was actually a book that I got on Audible, and so there you go. I can hop onto my phone right now on the way home from this and listen to some parts of this book or listen to the whole thing again if i wanted to but really great book sinclair ferguson the whole christ and that's w-h-o-l-e the whole christ there you go check it out on audible so what about the passages in scripture that you mentioned earlier rick about um not falling away why are there passages in scripture that talk about this why are there passages to say um, essentially, um, don't be like so and so who started and fell away. Yeah. Well, so we, again, back to what I was saying about the evidences of. Yep. We talk about, and maybe you've heard this before if you've listened to the podcast regularly, we talk about the fruit and the root, right? So the root of our salvation 
is Christ's atonement for us. Nothing that we have done for that, right? Yep. The fruit of that is our our new life, um, us acting as Christ would have us to act, following His example, uh, the fruits of the Spirit, loving the Scriptures. Right? There's uh, being in the body of Christ. There's fruit because our root is solid and secure and healthy, and there's it's it's sustained. There's then fruit that points to the fact that the root is real, right? So we need to be people who put view the root as again as Christ's atonement, not the other way around. We can't say, well, if your you know if your root is your decision to, to follow Christ or what you've done, then the fruit will be you know. You know that you're a Christian. We say no, no. Listen, Christ has died for us. He's done these things for us. So the passages come and they say, okay, make sure you apply. Make sure you work hard or you strive or work out your salvation. What it's saying is, make sure the fruit is there. You can't you can't do anything about the root, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can't make the root there or not there. But if there you need to strive to make sure the fruit is there. Does that make sense? Yeah. So uh, we just finished a, a while back, and I think you guys did too, as it going through First uh, Peter. First Pete, right? Well, now we're getting into Second Peter, the first chapter, the first few verses in Second Peter. Um, Peter's writing to the church, and he's encouraging them to add to their faith. And he says, uh, beginning of verse five, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, and self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Because if you do these things, you'll never stumble. That's verse 10. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. So here, Peter gives his whole list. Add to your faith all these things. And our flesh wants to take those things and say, okay, I must be doing all these things or else I am not a good Christian or I'm going to lose my salvation. Well, that's not what Peter's saying. He's saying work to add these things to your faith. That will help you confirm your faith, but it will not save you. Again, he's not confusing the root and the fruit. He's saying... Work, strive to, to prune and to grow the fruit, but do not get confused. It is not the fruit that will save you, but yet you need to make sure there is good fruit. Yeah. So as Christians, we do see other people who we're not seeing any fruit or we're not sure where they're at. And we it's not for us to tell them where the root is. Yeah, it's not yeah. for us to know and say, well, their root must be wrong. We don't know. They can bear fruit in another season. We can yeah. see what the Lord does. Or maybe the root is not in Christ. But for us, we need to be striving to become more like Christ. Because if we've been made alive and, and we are Christ followers, there should be fruit in our lives that, this is, that we're doing what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I mean, there's there's those passages about apostasy. I think about Hebrews 6, 4 through mm-hmm. 6, Matthew 24, 3 through 14. Um, and there's a great essay that TGC has put out. By Ray Gallia, and we'll we'll link to it in the show notes. Um, but he he talks about all of this with regard to assurance and how to address the um, the warning passages uh, passages like presuming on the grace of God, First Corinthians ten twelve, not being ashamed of Christ, Mark eight thirty eight, confessing Christ but not doing the Father's will, Matthew seven, um, spurious faith that works, Matthew or James two, um, those tempted to go back under the law, Galatians mm-hmm. five. Um, so so there's all kinds of warning passages. 
Now, what the what the passages are primarily for, as Gallia argues, and, and we agree, is that they are to um, help us grow in our in our faith and in our sanctification because we're, because it's somebody saying, hey, if you like, be careful not to fall away from the faith. It is something that you're going to be tempted to do. So be aware of it. So actively fight against it. And God will use that warning to prepare his people to actively fight against it. And he will continue to keep them and hold them through. So I'm going to read this, this passage um, that he has in this essay. Um, and this is just one part of it. I encourage you guys to check out the whole thing. But it says, divine compatibilism, which we did an episode on compatibilism, where it brings together God's uh, sovereign power over all things and man's free will. So divine compatibilism helps to avoid both the curse of easy believism, on the one hand, and tortured souls with obsessive introspect- introspection on the other. Carson helpfully notes that warnings against apostasy don't function to annul the promises of God. Rather, they are to promote perseverance. The promises of God are not to engender apathy. They are to promote zeal, gratitude, and appreciation of God's faithfulness. Mm. So when when the gospel writers, or when the apostles are writing these epistles, um, say, hey, don't don't be like this. It's not to say that you are in Christ now, and it's possible for you to fall away. They're saying that we have seen people go out from us. And don't be like them because we don't. We ultimately don't know your heart. Right. The only one who does is God. Mm-hmm. And so we are pleading with you, and God will use our pleading to keep you. He will use our pleading to help convince you. Mm-hmm. And therefore, that's God working in the background in his sovereignty to help you be all the more convinced to want to stay and to persevere. But ultimately, that's God um, keeping his people. And so we would say, Rick, you pointed on that fruit is important. Mm -hmm. Like we're not saying don't bear fruit. Fruit is required. You have to bear fruit. Yeah. Faith without works is dead. But what we're saying is the faith comes first Mm -hmm. and then after come the fruit and the fruit is, is evidence. Evidence, Uh, first John two nine, um, would essentially say that, that true Christians do not fall away. Yeah. And so first John two nine, he's writing about some, some quote unquote people, quote unquote Christians, people who um, proclaim the faith, but yet fell away. And he says this about them. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. Mm-hmm. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. So he's saying, if they were true Christians, they never would have fell away. So, but they fell away to show that they were never true Christians to begin with. So we've gotten into all kinds of different areas here with this question, but ultimately... Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, Brandon, great question. How? Hopefully we answered it. Hopefully. And I, hopefully some of the resources we point to can, can help answer it yeah, as well. Yeah, check out the show notes, guys, on our website, simpletheology.org, um, and we will link to some, some good material. But ultimately, and we, we even had more stuff on here, but we just we're already at like forty six minutes here, so I'm gonna. It's been a while since we recorded. We're got a lot to say, don't we, Rob? Yeah, we sure do. Apparently, so um, great topic. Mm-hmm. The doctrines of grace are beautiful. Yes. It's a wonderful thing to see how God calls, keeps, and secures His people. Um, 
ultimately mm-hmm. we rest on the final work of Christ, but we believe that Christ's final work is made effective in our life because of the grace that God has shown us. That's right. So we see that through the doctrines of grace, the the five points that we pointed out. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in. We appreciate you, our listeners. We appreciate when you guys send in questions, so please continue to do that. Um, if you want more information or you want to contact us, you can go to our website, simpletheology.org. Uh, we are on Instagram at simpletheologypod. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash simpletheology. Also, you can search both those platforms with hashtag simpletheologypod. Rob's working really hard to get us a TikTok account. Stop it. But Trump just banned it. Banned it, which <laughs> you guys already know about that. Um, hopefully Rob can get that little thing going. Stop it. Uh, also, you can email us at info at simpletheology.org. We still have the option to call and leave a message. So if you call, area code 614-233-1098. That's, again, area code 614-233-1098. You can leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Appreciate you guys so much. Peace. Peace.